Asker International School opened its doors in 2013 with just 35 students. Today, we have almost 400. We're still a small school, but with a big voice. This is our podcast, Uplift Ed. Welcome, Andrew, to this episode of Uplift Ed. Uh, you're here to talk about provocations. What are provocations? Well, firstly, when I think of provocation, uh, I, I look at the word inside that word, which is provoke. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, negativity around that word. And a lot of people maybe relate to incident that happened when they were younger. When I hear provoke, uh, I remember certain students in my classes who would always kind of set me off or they knew how to get a reaction out of me or a response. So I think that that really sets in nicely what provocation means. It, it, it's a way of kind of stimulating something or to get a reaction. And it usually plays on emotions. And sometimes it can be a, a very strong feeling or an unwelcome one. I feel uh, in this day and age, provocation is an important part of, of a school. It's very difficult to surprise, shock or, or startle children, which is why provocation is so powerful. Kids are exposed to so much more uh, these days with, with movies and music and social media. And I feel it's, it's healthy and educational to leave students in the dark sometimes, which is where provocation um, comes into play. That's why, from an educator's perspective, provocation can really lend itself well to the learning. It's, it's, it's a way in which a teacher can create a deliberate and thoughtful manner to extend children's ideas and challenge them in a way that they haven't been done before. So it's, it's interesting. What I'm hearing there is that, the, in essence, that it's, it's even more challenging today to try and do provocations than it was previously. Oh, the children are so exposed to its many different elements. Um, and as an educator, we need to try and tap into something that maybe they haven't experienced before, which is a difficult task. So that's why, as a, as a teacher, you really need to set a good scenario you need to have the appropriate materials um, and media to really set the scene. Now, you don't want to go into too much detail because you want it to be an activity where students can really shape the direction in which it goes, but you've, you've created um, a platform that they can do this. Provocation, it's, it's really a powerful element because it's also an insight into the background knowledge or prior knowledge students have. Um, this is a great way to assess students and to know what they're bringing into the unit before you even start. Uh, you talked about prior knowledge and what they know already. How does that marry with the idea of a provocation? So in regards to starting a new unit, some, some students have, have background knowledge on a topic and they, this can be kind of exposed in a different manner than, than may be in a, in a normal scenario. So let's say, for instance, you're unpacking the unit by some questions. Uh, those questions can only be unpacked in a certain way and, and those answers can only get so far but if you have a, an open-ended task it really allows students to diversify their answers and to let them really show any knowledge they have and, and this will allow you as a teacher to kind of see where students are interested, see what they're passionate about and maybe see which areas need more attention. Now as an IB school how do provocations fit in with the IB framework? I feel provocations really set the scene for the inquiry unit and help students tune in to the possibilities um, of their learning. Effective provocation sparks curiosity, 
which is really at the, the core of, of what an IB learner is. Like I said before, it triggers background knowledge and provokes wonder. This is where you can really grab the students and get them excited about the unit. I feel also effective provocation builds itself on student-led inquiry and helps students drive their questions, which, which can usually come from, from provocation at the beginning of the unit. I really like the, uh, the phrase used there, it helps students to tune in. I mean, that's the, in essence, how most learning should start, with kids wanting to learn and eager to learn. I suppose sometimes it's quite difficult, you know, you come with an idea for a unit and kids immediately switch off because it doesn't relate to something they like. So the provocation seems like a really wonderful way to engage the students in the learning. I, I agree. And the thing is, I think sometimes teachers feel like they're, they're on such a, a short uh, schedule in regards to getting everything done that they forget that the most important parts is, is capturing their attention. And if you don't allow them to kind of explore and, and wonder, um, then they're going to find your unit a little bit mundane, um, so this is a key element to kind of keeping them really into what you're about to do. Uh, can you talk us through some of the uh, provocations you've uh, been part of or uh, introduced into Asker International School? Yeah, of course. I, um, I'll, I'll talk about some of the provocations that I've taught and also some that I've seen. Last week, recently, I, I went into uh, a grade two class and the focus was on teaching an explicit um, skill which was note taking. I, I really enjoyed the lesson because what the teacher did was that she gave very little instruction at the start. Um, she told all the students to take out their, their unit books and they need to write down what she says. So she got out the book, The Gruffalo, and, and read it very quickly. And, and the students were trying to get everything she was saying and try and copy as best as they could. Um, but of course, they struggled. They seemed quite um, despondent and, and irritated. And they just didn't seem to be enjoying themselves. And this was this really sparked a lot of emotion in, in, in the students. And it, it didn't stop there because what Hassini also d did was that uh, she would she put a picture up on the wall. And she asked the students to really capture the picture by, by drawing as much as they could. She took it away after about a minute. And again, the frustration was shown um, by all, all the students so afterwards, the, the teacher asked them, okay, well, why are you so frustrated? And, and they shared their responses saying, well, we didn't get enough time to, to do the task properly. And, and that stemmed into further questioning was, well, well Mr. S uh, the teacher said, well, why don't, why don't you ask and share some tips about what we could do to help with that situation? And so the students came up with their own tips in regards to kind of dealing with a lot of knowledge or a lot of information at once and they came up with maybe using keywords also focusing on how they can see the whole picture rather than certain elements it was really powerful because the students readed the activity and, and the improvement was remarkable uh, so that was in grade two another lesson i actually saw as well was based in grade three. Our grade three teacher has been doing uh, a lot of provocation in regards to, to reading and unpacking books. The teacher, before even opening the book, took a, a photocopy of, of the, the open page. So it was a two-sided page with lots of different artifacts and lots of different treasures. So they were all around the room. The teacher then just said, guys, this is Professor Brownstone's uh, treasure chest, his vault. He is inviting and opening it up to the public in in a week. Uh, this is a, a sacred area that no one's ever seen before. Can everybody please write a persuasive letter 
telling me why you think you deserve to be one of those people who gets to visit the vault. And the students were really eager and excited to, to prove to Professor Brownstone that they were the, the right person to go into this vault. So students were running around looking at the pictures, trying to think of a, a way that would encourage Professor Brownstone to let them in. Um, and they hadn't even read a, a single page in that book and already the students were extremely excited about getting into it. So, so that was a, a, another great way. In grade four, um, I really love how the two teachers there um, unpacked their new unit, which was based on uh, revolutions. How it unfolded was that they had a focus that they were going to look at the American Revolution, which basically started because of the colonists became unhappy with the taxes being imposed, imposed on them by the, by the British. So no taxation without representation. So to get the students thinking about unfair taxation, they used the principal in the school, Mr. Robert, and it was surrounding him wanting the students to pay 50 krona to him every time they used their Chromebooks. The reason he gave to the students was this was going to help him fund a personal vacation to Spain. The, the children obviously were a little bit um, outraged by this, um, couldn't really see how this was allowable, um, and it sparked um, a lot of interest and anger. So Mr. James and Miss Carly said, well, okay, well, what should we do about it? So they wrote a very stern letter to Mr. Robert explaining that they were very upset um, and angered by his actions and that they need to be considered and, and thought of before he starts making these huge uh, remarks. But, pro but provocations are not always about anger. No. I mean, one of my favourite provocations is when teaching ethics is I ask students to lie down on their backs and stare at one point without moving for five minutes. Uh, the reason for doing that is often it, it, it's about making them engage and understand potentially or empathise with a particular situation. And one of the discussions we have about ethics is about euthanasia and about why people might consider taking their, their own lives. And the idea of them uh, lying on their back in one place, never being able to move, just gives a little insight uh, and an understanding, I mean, from a micro level, of what people might be going through. If they're in that position, I usually say, well, imagine, uh, now you've been in that position for five minutes, imagine what it would be like to spend every moment in that same position, looking at that same spot. And then that almost opens up the debate then about whether or not euthanasia should be acceptable in society. No, and I think it's you know it's just uh, it's challenging students and getting them out of their comfort zones and you know a simple task like lying on the ground which you normally wouldn't do in a classroom can have a powerful effect and talking about difficult topics like that really do um, allow the students to give their response and opinion. So, what's your favourite provocation of all time? Okay, well one one that I did. I feel really kind of really allowed the students to connect to the unit well, but it also allowed them to take ownership. And the best part about it was I just got to sit back and enjoy the show. So it surrounded a unit connected to a grade five uh, unit, which was based on government systems. I, I, uh, I tried to make a connection by looking at um, the rules and regulations in sport and how we need to follow certain, um, adhere to certain aspects so the game would work properly. So at the start of the unit, I, I simply split all the students up around the room in groups of four or five. Um, I gave them a die, and they all waited uh, in anticipation for, for the rules of, of what's to come. I, I said nothing. Eventually, 
I, I, I became a little bit uh, irritated and I said, guys, I've, you've got your equipment now, you need to begin the game. Um, again, they all looked at each other and said, oh, well, have you been told what to do? I don't know what to do. Uh, Mr. Andrew, Mr. Andrew, we, we, we're unsure. And I said, guys, you need to start playing now. You've already wasted three minutes. Get on with it. Again, they looked perplexed. And, and, then, and then I actually shouted and I said, guys, start the game now. And, and then they started. So they had to kind of really work together to come up with some kind of platform to, to create a game that all had to adhere to. And the best thing was there were so many different outcomes to this. Some students um, had a, a, a physical aspect where if you rolled a, a die, you had to do push-ups, or like number two, or if you did four, you had to do sit-ups. Others, um, was whoever got the highest point wins. Uh, others went a totally different direction. It was all about you know th- throwing it as far as they could or, or rolling it or, or catching it. But the beautiful thing about it was it really showed them that they have to all agree on, on rules. Otherwise, the game wouldn't work. And for children, I suppose, many of them don't particularly like rules. So suddenly they realise the importance of rules. Yes, and I think they realise that, you know, the, 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 real, the realisation that school is, is we often tell them um, too much information and that it, giving them the power of how to structure a, a game it w- was, was a highlight for them. Thank you. Now, what are the challenges or pitfalls uh, of employing such strategies that teachers should be wary of? Uh, the, the, there are some challenges. Um, and, you know, as, as, as a teacher, you, you learn as you go. But what I've found is that, you know, students may feel uncomfortable in your lesson. They will become upset and, and irritated and maybe put in a position that they haven't been before. You know, the, the lesson at times may look unstructured and partly out of control from an outsider's perspective. But this is all part of the learning process. So, I mean, there's a good chance that students may fail in, in what you set for them. So on an outsider's perspective, again, if someone walked into the lesson and, and they saw that students were struggling or they weren't getting the attention that maybe they would get in a normal lesson, you, you would think maybe it could be an ineffective lesson. So you have to put up with, with a few of those um, elements. And even... The, the, the issue is here that even sometimes after the provocation is over, students may not understand that you've created that scenario on purpose. So you, you need to really explain to them afterwards why you've done what you've done. And finally, what are your tips for creating an effective provocation? Some tips. I, I would start with make sure that, that you have particular elements or resources that can really start the process. It doesn't have to be much, but... Like as, as like Mark said, if you have something like you know looking up to the the ceiling or, or a photo or something that will spark their curiosity, it's it's a good aspect to build off. I also feel that you know you don't you can give them the bare amount of information. Um, you don't want to stack it on because it, if you give them too much, you kind of restrict their ability to kind of go off on different tangents. I also feel that with good provocation. It's important for the teacher to, to take a step back and, and just listen and definitely engage in the children's thinking, but don't intervene unless it's necessary. I think, I, I think that's an important point you're saying there. All too often we walk around the classroom and we feel we need to get involved in the students' conversation and interrupt their learning. The more I think about it, we should be stepping back and just listening and taking notes on what they're saying. And, and I also think that you, know, you really need to be, be flexible when, when, you, when you're creating this form of provocation, you know, you may have anticipated 
a certain outcome um, and it doesn't always get there but but students will learn nonetheless and there's no reason why you can't do it again and and, and don't try and set a time limit to it I know we are obviously constricted to uh, how much time we can deliver but if it's going well, let, let it continue. And I always feel that, that children never fail to surprise when they're given such tasks. So be prepared for anything. Andrew, thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. A podcast created by Asker International School for anyone passionate about pedagogy.